Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. afternoon it's sunday october 13th and you are listening to the college football daily dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news my name is connor tapp and i'm joined by 24 7 sports college sports editor trey scott on the sunday editions of the college football daily trey and i like to hit the score lines that shape the direction of the playoff race and trey you were at one of these games and you are at the airport right now on your way back from it yeah i'm at love field right now Hope, uh, hope everything goes smoothly here as far as audio. I was at Oklahoma 34, Texas 27, which did not feel like a seven-point game at any point in the equation. There have been a lot of blowouts in this rivalry game, and I've been to a lot of those blowouts. And this felt like one of them where Oklahoma was almost always on the brink of blowing this open into a 17-point game. And yet it was 10 most of the time. I think Oklahoma was way more impressive defensively than anyone could have thought. Nine sacks, nine like nine sacks. That's just the most stunning stat ever as far as I'm concerned. Texas hadn't given up that many sacks since 2009. And Oklahoma is playing physically. They're playing intensely on that side of the ball. And I think they look like a national title contender because of it, because the offense is doing the same old things it's been doing the last few years, and now they have a defense. Yeah, Oklahoma's defense, 15 tackles for loss and nine sacks of Sam Ellinger. Uh, The FPI, ESPN's FPI now gives Oklahoma a 77% chance or better to win each of its remaining games the rest of the way. Presumably the only, I mean, you know, there's always a possibility you lose to Kansas State or Iowa State or something like that out of nowhere. Or Baylor, yeah, and we'll talk about Baylor briefly in a bit, but realistically it's looking like maybe a red river rematch again in the big 12 title game only possibility of oklahoma losing again yeah i i think i think texas would feel okay about its chances there because it would be less injured surely than it is now and i can't imagine texas's offense playing that bad again but at that point it's just you know texas would be playing big 12 spoiler because with two losses they're knocked out of the playoff picture as if not that they played well enough on Saturday to, to deserve to be even be mentioned in the playoff picture. I think the interesting thing is watching this offense, this Oklahoma offense in the past, we've talked about the passing game of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. I know Kyler ran as well. And you, you look at the box score and you'll see CD lamb, you know, 170 yards receiving three touchdowns and you'll say, okay, Oklahoma's dynamic through the air, of course, but it's running the ball. That's just absolutely killer. I mean, they, they were they were popping off 10-yard plays almost every single time they wanted to. And Jalen Hurts, as far as a scrambler, Connor, it seemed like they have – it's like a, an actual like a new college football play is Jalen Hurts dropping back to pass and then just like choosing which hole he wants to run through. It's it's incredible. This, this team is such a well-oiled machine. I think Lincoln Riley is the top offensive mind in football. And, yeah, it's hard to see anyone beating them in the regular season. So I, I – what would it be? Just another year where Oklahoma probably should be penciled in for the playoff by you know mid October. My plan was to watch the Red River game and watch nothing else during the noon slot. 
saw some indications that maybe I should be tuning in to South Carolina, Georgia. I tried to ignore it as long as I could, but eventually it just became, I had to switch it over. Uh, South Carolina wins 20 to 17 in double overtime, despite getting outgained 468 to 297. Jake Fromm was just a mess for Georgia. Three interceptions, including a pick six. And Georgia's defense didn't really contribute a whole lot either, as much as South Carolina was not you know, explosive offensively. Only three negative yardage plays all day for the Georgia defense. So, uh, man, this is a tough result for Kirby Smart and company. I, I want to get to it. I just have to ask, is this <laughs> the, the most shocking or maybe the best upset win in South Carolina football history? So there's been some debate about that on my timeline. It's definitely not like the biggest win. I get it's right. probably one of the bigger upsets. And it's I mean, it's absolutely massive for Will Muschamp. South Carolina's had some decent seasons under Will Muschamp and they've played had some had some really nice games, but they haven't had a man, we are on top of the college football world for a day moment that you got out of beating Georgia on the road, the number three team in the country with a massive talent advantage for the Bulldogs. And just to see that that's possible, it's absolutely huge for uh, Will Muschamp. Cause I mean, even with this win five and seven is still a realistic possibility, but man, that five and seven feels a lot better when you, when you have a big win over one of the, one of your rivals nearby rivals that are just kind of amassing all this talent and, uh, conference championship and college football playoff appearances and, and yeah, I was, I was leaving the cotton bowl and I was getting score updates on this. And I kind of guessed my first question was how, and I, you know, you, you kind of get the answer, Jake Fromm's interceptions and I, I, you know, missed field goals, but then you, I still look at the box score. And I was like, how the South Carolina was on its third string quarterback and to carry and Joyner, a guy who I think yeah. fans had considered, or had already kind of given up hope on and would say, yeah, he's either going to transfer or switch, switch positions. I think for Georgia, you know, we can sit here and say, and it's going to be the popular party line to say they still control their destiny and they do, but they sort of have to figure out what they want to be and who they want to be because, and maybe this is, I don't, it, it, maybe this is our fault for, for thinking this, but after the Notre Dame game, we said congrats to Georgia, but you got to be able to play a little bit more aggressively, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's see Jake Fromm get unleashed because Jake Fromm's the guy who's getting first-round pick billing, and Jake Fromm's getting the guy – he's the guy who's mentioned in the same breath as college football top quarterback, so let's let him throw the football. And he does that, and then you see that peculiar stat that <laughs> – I don't have it on the top of my head, but Georgia – like has lost every game in which Jake Fromm's thrown for like a certain number of passes or yeah. more. 52 attempts in this game for Fromm and it's too many, yeah. but it's also like what we thought we wanted. And yeah. maybe there's the whole specter of watching Justin Fields, you know, play lights out up there at Ohio state. And I don't know, but it, it's very uninspiring game for Jordan. You can sit here and say, Oh, they'll, they can still win out. They can still beat Auburn and Florida and Alabama in the SEC title game. But, this is a massive blow for them. And I think they're going to have to do some soul searching as far as their identity because their offensive line also just got manhandled. Yeah. Uh, with Georgia losing early, it created an interesting situation for Florida where they could really kind of separate themselves as, you know, uh, if, if nothing else in the, in the loss column as the front runners in the sec East, although I guess Missouri ended up winning too. So, uh, but anyway, Florida, 
ends up squandering the opportunity, loses 42 to 28 in Baton Rouge to LSU. I'm really working to figure out why, how this felt like a close game, because if you look at the box score, you're like, oh man, so LSU controlled this game, but it was a felt like a game until pretty close to the end. Uh, but LSU pretty much moved the ball at will, only faced four third downs all night. Joe Burrow, 21 of 24, 293 yards, three touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire got moving, 134 yards on 13 carries and two touchdowns. And LSU, man, they they, they passed, yet, passed yet another big test. So I have takes here on LSU yeah, on Florida. I'm, yeah, okay. And... I guess my LSU take is that, yes, they just, I mean, I think we already knew everything we knew, had to know about them, and we'll know more in a month when they play Alabama, but they've just got transcendent talent bunches. Uh, the receivers are just transcendent, and the defensive backs, we're going to be, and then we're going to look in five years and look back and sort of gawk at this secondary, and, you know, when Grant Delpit and Derek Stingley and Christian Fulton are doing their thing in the NFL, we're going to be like, oh my God, they had these guys on the field at the same time. And I think the sky's the limit because of that. Joe Burrow is just incredible. Um, also, uh, for Florida, I feel good about Florida. I think Kyle Trask was super impressive. I think I owe Florida an apology for thinking they were overrated at number nine or however they were. They're, they're legitimately a, a good college football team. And I, I no longer think that Georgia's just going to run over them in Jacksonville. I think, in fact... You know, today I might take Florida heads up on a neutral site. They had that tight end, Kyle Pitts, former elite recruit, looking like one of the best tight ends in the country. And their defense really hung with LSU despite Jonathan Grenard uh, being out for everything but the first series. So I thought it was just a great football game. And it's <laughs> as a Big 12 guy, it was funny to see two SEC teams play Big 12 football. But I think that's the way college football said it. Kyle Trask, weirdly impressive. He's like an off-speed pitch of a quarterback. And... Uh, it's fascinating. It's always fascinating to watch how Dan Mullen kind of builds his team often with, you know, spare parts and, you know, Kyle Trask, you know, he, he's, he can do, he's, he's capable of doing some good things, but ultimately, you know, he, I think he's got a, he's got a ceiling, but it's, uh, it's just fascinating to watch Dan Mullen operate. Um, even, even in a losing effort there, um, Penn state 17, Iowa 12, Ugly defensive struggle. I've picked Iowa two weeks in a row, and don't let me do it anymore because man, <laughs> that that offensive line is just. And I know that, and I know they came up against a, a couple of good defenses in Penn State, and Michigan, but man, that that offensive line is just struggling. Penn State, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you're happy with a, an ugly win on the road, but Sean Clifford, twelve twenty four, one hundred seventeen yards, one touchdown. Um, Gonna be, gonna be. I mean, with with Penn State, I'm. I, I don't know. Do we change? Last week we're talking about. Oh man, Penn State is right there in the playoff conversation. Does that diminish after this performance? Maybe a little bit. I think. I think Sean Clifford was better than the stats show. I thought he was. I, I hate to use the word gritty, but I thought he had, was gritty and had some moments. And I think he did some things with his legs that I was surprised about. But yes. Penn State, the fact that they got sucked into the defensive grueling battle with Iowa suggests that they're not ready for a 35-38 game against Ohio State or that their offense isn't going to be good enough if they had to play Wisconsin to sort of power through that brick wall. But it's still it's still a really impressive win. I, I thought Penn State would win. I thought they would look a little bit better offensively, but the defense is, is, is nasty, man, and 
you know, defenses travel and, you know, high marks from Penn State all around. Uh, maybe, though, a bit disappointed at the, the low-octane offense. Next week for Penn State, they've got Michigan coming to Happy Valley. they also got game day coming to Happy Valley. Uh, so, so that'll be an interesting to want, one to watch. Interesting stat from Zach Shaw of the Michigan Insider. This will be the sixth college game day appearance in Michigan's last 14 road games. They've lost the previous five of those matchups. So, man, game day. I guess (laughs) Michigan makes everything an event, uh, or at least maybe Jim Harbaugh does, or a combination of the two. Uh, That was kind of interesting. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Alabama 47, Texas A&M 28. Uh, Maybe a little bit sleepier of a performance than you wanted from Alabama coming off of a bye week. And we're kind of at that part of their schedule where they've got – you know, some some easy games coming up, Tennessee, Arkansas, and things don't really pick up for them until November 9th against LSU. Two, uh, 13 incomplete passes, which is more than we're used to seeing out of him. Uh, Kellen Mond finally gets moving for Texas A&M. In the end, I mean, you know, Alabama wins by 19 points, so it's not like, you know, they were ever in serious doubt of losing this game, though A&M was within a couple of scores late. But um, I don't know. It's We're just at that point with Alabama where we're like really squinting very hard and trying to find cracks in the foundation that probably aren't there. Yeah, I have no concerns about Alabama at this point. I was pleased, actually, offensively. I saw Jalen Waddle get going and, and also make some plays in the punt return game. So I think maybe you know they've got the fourth fiddle going on offense now as far as the receiver options go. They're going to be fine. A&M. Well, they got through their tests. They got through their first half of the season test, Connor, you know, Clemson, uh, Alabama, the Auburn. And they, I think they just flunked, flunked this one. I know they had the toughest schedule in college football, but the fact that they really didn't represent themselves well at Clemson or home against Alabama. And then the fact that they couldn't beat Auburn in college station either. I, I think this is a worst case start scenario for Jimbo Fisher's second year. Also including the fact that they beat, an incredibly bad Arkansas team only by four last week is really my takeaway from this one. Speaking of Jimbo Fisher, his old school still having quite a difficult time of it. Clemson 45, FSU 14. The Seminoles never really in this one from the beginning. The Noles had four turnovers and trailed 28 to nothing at halftime. 320 yards rushing for Clemson in this one, including 17 carries and 127 yards for Travis Etienne. Uh, interestingly, 
Trevor Lawrence, you know, he had three touchdowns, but 17 of 25 for just 170 yards and one INT. So that passing game still not really clicking on all cylinders for the Tigers, but um, a, a dominant performance that spoke to the dramatic way in which this rivalry has swung in a, in a relatively short period of time. Well, this is a dominant win. I think this was, I think this was Clemson's awakening, to be honest with you. And I know 17 for 25 doesn't jump off the page and neither does 170 yards passing, but the QBR is 96. So this is his best game yet uh, of the season. And I think it's, Hey, they got something going. I mean, two weeks ago, we we're talking about Clemson couldn't do anything at North Carolina. Now they're up 20. I mean, they just blasted Florida state. They had the bye week. Maybe they got a little bit healthier than they were. Maybe they listened to all the, I guess, rat poison from, or not rat poison, but they listened to the, the, the motivation of the Clemson sucks and the Clemson's not any good and the Clemson shouldn't be in the top four. And I think they played super well. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I know we'll talk about Louisville in a minute. They go to Louisville next week. I think that we might look back at this moment and say, okay, th- this is Clemson's finally playing as dominant as we expect them to this season, which is of course sweeping under the rug that they beat Texas A&M in week two uh, by a pretty nice margin. A team that has needed no mid-season awakening is Wisconsin. They add to their string of dominant performances, beating Michigan State 38 to nothing. Wisconsin is now the first FBS team with four shutouts in its first six games since 1967. And their combined points allowed total equals uh, uh, has not been matched since Florida State in 1993. Uh, we're now looking at October 26th at Ohio State as a massive showdown for Wisconsin. And, man, the Badgers are just absolutely rolling right now. It's incredible. It, 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 just absolutely incredible what they're doing. I think they've given up, like, literally a handful of touchdowns all season as well. That October 26th game against Ohio State, we've talked about LSU and Alabama being the game of the year. That might be the game of the year. Although I guess it doesn't have – you know, each team could still win its own division. And this is with Jonathan Taylor – Averaging 3.6 yards per carry. I mean, Wisconsin is the, the national title good. The best defense of our lifetime, I guess. Uh, the stats would say. We'll see. But this, I, I love Wisconsin. I love what they're doing right now. I'm, I'm like all in on that train. Pretty incredible tweet from the Wisconsin football official account. Wisconsin 61, Central Michigan 0. Wisconsin 35, Michigan 14. Wisconsin 38, Michigan State 0. Send us the deed to the Upper Peninsula, they say. Um, I, I really enjoyed <laughs> can that. We, um, can we talk real quick, though, about Michigan State? Just as a yeah, 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 yeah. Disappointments of the season. I would lump Nebraska into that as well. Mark D'Antonio, uh, responding to a question about his non-offensive staff shakeup in the offseason, and whether they should have done it, saying that was a dumbass question, was just insane. Michigan State's offense has been horrendous. Mark D'Antonio should be on the hot seat, given how bad they've been the last few years. He won't be. But Michigan State, I I thought, could be the second-best team in the Big Ten East this year. Yeah, it's been pretty rough from Michigan State on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, there is just – I don't know enough about these – various scandals that have been attached to Michigan state, but just like with that air, like surrounding yep. the program, you, you wonder how much that's kind of like amplifying the hot seat, uh, for, for Mark D'Antonio, it, you know, they had that really bad four and eight season a couple of years ago. It seemed like things were kind of, they were climbing out of that and headed right back in the, in, in the right direction. But, uh, th- this has been a tough season for them. Um, they've already got three losses. They've got Penn state next week and they still got to go to Michigan, 
Um, so things could get worse uh, before they get better. Notre Dame 30, USC 27. The Irish were up 20-3 to at one point, but the Trojans come back and make a game of this one. USC is now 3-3, three and three, though. <laughs> USC's shown some fight at times this season, but Clay Helton's done, right? I think I guess he's done. He, I mean, he's done because they have they're USC and they can do better than three and three. But it's very clear his players are playing hard for him. I was impressed that they were within three of Notre Dame, and it's nice that they got out of this grueling stretch with a with a win over Utah. In hindsight, they definitely should have beat BYU. But yeah, he's done. It's yeah, I, I think he'll I think he'll coach the season though because they don't have an AD, and then. Hey, I still I'm still on the board with my Urban Meyer prediction by December, and then for Notre Dame here, Connor, like I this was my I guess of the nighttime games that I had on in mm-hmm. my hotel room. Notre Dame was like my fourth TV choice. I yeah. was toggling, and I didn't really watch too much, but I expected a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, Notre Dame still nominally in the playoff hunt. I think if they win out. Uh, 538 gives them an approximately 50% chance of getting in, which is honestly... That blows my mind. That blows my mind. That it's that high or that low? That it's that high. Okay. Okay. I mean... Especially with Georgia losing. Yeah, because Notre Dame, that's their that's their quality loss. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but they're also co- kind of competing with Georgia for one of those one of those playoff spots. So it's, that, that could become an interesting narrative as, as we hit the backstretch of the season here. Um Oregon 45, Colorado 3. Oregon, that week one loss, obviously, to Auburn. But, man, that that Ducks defense has been really, really impressive uh, ever since then. And I I think, actually, Oregon has not allowed the number of points that they gave up to Auburn in that game, in their combined games since then. Um, uh, So, I mean, Oregon, the Pac-12's last hope for a playoff team. I think if they went out, they have an approximately 66% chance of getting in the playoff, which is kind of wild for a one loss, uh, power five conference champion. Um, but, uh, Oregon's looking pretty good. There are a lot of good teams in college football this year. That's gonna be tough. I can't figure the PAC 12 out a few weeks ago, Colorado beats Arizona state. I watched this one. Steven Montez threw some backbreaking interceptions just within succession of each other. And that's kind of why the score was so lopsided. Uh, it's, Oregon, but I mean, you know, Oregon's coming off a week in which they beat Cal barely. And yeah. so I, I don't, you know, I don't know how to figure the Oregon defense was just, was just phenomenal, phenomenal Friday night. And I was excited about watching that game because I thought LaVisca Chenault might have some fun against the Ducks. And it was just, I felt really bad for Colorado, to be honest, the entire time. Uh, some other Pac-12 scores, Arizona State uh, wins a last minute thriller against Washington State, 38 to 34. Uh, Utah 52 to seven over Oregon State. Uh, the Utes recovering from that loss to to USC and having having a pretty nice season. We'll I, I guess we mentioned Oregon being in the in the in the playoff picture. I guess you have to throw Utah in there too. Although maybe I, yeah, yeah, it's well, <laughs> you've also got Oregon State bouncing back from a big win over UCLA. <laughs> yeah. Put seven points up on Utah. Uh, and real quick before we move too fast, Arizona State, that was Jaden Daniels' third game-winning drive wow. of his very young career. We, had, we just named him the 24-7 sports true freshman of the week. Yeah, Herm Edwards, man. He I is, love it. It's, it's incredible uh, what he's been able to do at Arizona State. And, you know, with Jaden Daniels just a true freshman, things are presumably only going to get better uh, from here. 
for the Sun Devils. Louisville, 62-59 to 59 win over Wake Forest. Got kind of wild toward the end. I guess wild throughout when you've got teams combining for over 120 points. But uh, a, a weird onside kick call and review late in this one. But Louisville ends up spoiling Wake Forest's undefeated season and a, a really decent win for Scott Satterfield. And, man, the ACC and the Pac-12 are both so, so very weird. Yeah, yeah. Louisville's played three QBs now this season. And this is, as far as 62-59, this is the box score no one could have predicted Saturday outside of South Carolina and Georgia. Yeah. Um, Wake Forest couldn't keep its unlikely undefeated start alive, but two other teams did. Baylor got a 33 Baylor got a 33-30 win over Texas Tech in overtime to stay undefeated. And Minnesota uh, dominated Nebraska 34-7. And the Golden Gophers, not, uh, I guess, the the AP Top 25 is probably going to come out while sure. we're recording this. But the, the Gophers were not ranked prior to this week. You imagine that changes uh, heading into this week. But um, they, yeah, they gashed Nebraska on the ground, like just just throttled them. And Baylor, Texas Tech, Baylor took a it, it took like a last second drive. That was, What a game there. So Matt Rule and PJ Flex, sort of the mid tier of young up and coming big name coaches who could one day land better jobs. But right now are like really focused and all in on their own schools. Really nice starts. Yeah. Uh, well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the college football daily. We'll be back tomorrow with our top five teams as we kind of gear up toward and in, in, in three weeks here, the first release of the college football playoff top 25. Uh, if you appreciate what we're doing, we ask that you do one thing this week to help spread the word about the show, whether that's telling a friend or family member that Trey and I are doing this thing for you every day to keep you caught up on the college football news you need to know, or, you know, simply just leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. For Trey Scott and our producer, Tani Levitt, who between the construction sounds at my house and Trey being at an airport has a lot of work to do today, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you bright and early on Monday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.